Hello and welcome to Ascent's podcast, Exploring Standards. My name is Jess and in this podcast, I will be talking to the experts in the consultancy industry. At Ascent, we pride ourselves on championing international standards. And in each episode of this podcast, I will be talking to expert consultants discussing standards, ISOs, consultancy and everything in between to bring you industry knowledge and updates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Exploring Standards. I am Jess uh, and in today's episode I am talking to the founder of THC Consultants and the winner of UK Consulting's ISO Consultant of the Year, Len Howard. Len, how are you? It's I'm doing well, thank you Jess, and it's good to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for coming by on this lovely day. I mean, where I am in Whitby, it is gorgeous and sunny. Um, so it's a good day today, which we love. Uh, so first off, I just want to congratulate you on winning the UK Consultants ISO Consultant of the Year. Thank you. Um, how do you feel winning the award? Well, I'm, I'm quite proud, but I was also quite surprised. Um, mm-hmm. I know I've been around a long time and I, I've, I've tried to do things to, to shape the industry to be my own image, but um, I didn't think I'd had quite that much impact. So I was... Uh, I was not really expecting to win against the competition, so I was pleasantly pleased. And my family actually said to me it was probably meant to be the posthumous Lifetime Achievement Award, but I frustrated everybody by staying alive. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, I'm very proud and I'm very pleased to have been recognised by the industry because I, I am passionate about what the industry does. Um, and it is a boring subject, I'm afraid, for most people. We are a distressed purchase for most people. Um, but I try to make it a little bit more interesting for people and a little bit more value. Fantastic. I think you are doing that, you know. Um, I mean, this award is obviously just one part of that, showing that. But, you know, obviously you've been in the industry for quite some time. Uh, you founded THC Consultants in 1991. Um, so all those years ago, how did you get into consulting? Well, I, I actually intended to get into consulting. Um, because I, I structured myself out of the job that I was in and I was an internal consultant in a PLC uh, working in various different parts of the PLC um, I came out of marketing in the first place and I had a, a no qualifications in marketing whatsoever I'm a biochemist by training and got into marketing in the uh, mid 70s um, consumer goods brown goods then into um, food and uh, eventually, uh, by the, the mid 80s, I was moving further and further into strategic marketing and strategic uh, management. Uh, that took me into corporate development, it took me into restructuring businesses, looking at how businesses operated um, within the group, and looking at ways we could make them more efficient, get added value out of what we were doing. And um, mergers, acquisitions, divestments, and what have you. And eventually uh, was part of the team that engineered an MBO of the part of the, the bit of the, the PLC I was in at the time and decided I didn't want to participate. So I set myself up in 91 as an independent mm-hmm. consultant. Uh, name was different then, it wasn't THC then, but um, okay. that's another story. Another story. <laughs> another time. But that's another how time. I got into it. Um, Originally, I was looking at a general management consultancy, and we still right. do general management consultancy, and indeed, we still do marketing projects for people and business development projects for people. Um, but 
in 92, I was asked by a client what I'd heard of uh, BS5750. And I said, well, I, I'd heard of it. Mm -hmm. I'd heard it didn't have a particularly good reputation for doing much for business, other than giving them a set of rules that they had to move to. But it was becoming mandatory for people to have it if they wanted to succeed. Mm -hmm. um, he said, well, I want to get it. I said, well, I don't particularly want to do it for you. But um, I'll find somebody who can. So I found somebody who could and pointed him in, in the direction of, of this chap. And they got together. And the guy, basically, the consultant that I found, took his money and disappeared, um, never to be seen again. So he said to me, right, you've got me into this mess. Get me out of this mess. Right, yeah, OK. And I thought, well, it can't be that hard. Um, looked at the standard, looked at what it was doing, and I thought, this is dull. It was just a set of rules. Yeah. Thou shalt do this, thou shalt do that. So I said, this is going to be a doddle. And got him through it. And then from that, I got more and more contacts within his industry. Um, and then spent a decade working in the exhibition industry solely with Earl's Court and Olympia and with spin-off businesses around that. And then moved from that into broader business, diversified at the, the end of the 90s. Um, and just doing other things. And we've been a general consultancy focusing on ISO, but using ISO's standards as a tool for people to be actually able to improve and develop their businesses. Brilliant. Thank you. So um, you kind of just gone on there a bit about how you got into uh, the, the industry uh, and you've kind of led into this a little bit. And I want to know some of the developments that you have seen in the years um, in quality management. It's, it's very interesting. It, it's almost, it, it follows the way of people thinking. When PS5750 first came out, it was supposed to be quality assurance, but it was more about quality control. And the difference between quality control and quality assurance is in quality control, something goes wrong, you don't let it go out to the customer. In quality assurance, you look to where things may go wrong and you try to stop things from going wrong before they get sent out to the customer. Mm -hmm. And it was very simplistic in its early stages. It was saying, inspect at this stage, inspect at this stage, inspect at this stage, and then inspect again before it goes out to the customer. Mm -hmm. That was seen the, the 5750 standards. Then in the mid nineties, we went from those into the, the ISO 9000 series. Um, originally we had ISO 9001, which was for everything including design, and ISO 9002, which was everything excluding design. And that was a little bit better. It started to bring in this concept of preventive action. So what are you going to do if you find these things are going wrong? How are you going to stop them happening again? Um, but it wasn't really firing anybody up. When the change really started out was in 2000. And with the 2000 iterations of ISO 9000 and 2004 iteration of ISO 14000, you started to get this idea of continual improvement. And you started to get the idea of how you actually manage your improvement and how you learn from your errors, how you perceive what your errors might be. But it wasn't really until we got to the current batch of standards, um, which started in 2012 and the new Annex SL, and the first one I think was ISO 20121, where you're actually looking at a broader range of what can possibly go wrong with your business, but not only what can possibly go wrong with your business, who's affected by your business? Um, who are the people that you affect? Who are the people that affect you? How do those interrelationships work? What can you do to influence them? What do people expect of you? 
and the needs and expectations of interested parties sounds really dull and boring but it's actually just saying right what are we going to do to mm -hmm. make our lives easier when we're interacting with suppliers when we're interacting with customers when we're even interacting with our, our neighbors and and our competitors and then right what's the risks to the business if mm. something goes wrong with that so it's it's a logical I mean, some people say that in some people from the security industry, when I say security, I mean information security, say that yes. you should be looking at where your risks lie in the first place and then deciding who your interested parties are. I take the opposite view. Who do we deal with? Who deals with us? It's mainly looking at sort of like, it's almost taking a PR approach and looking at okay. who your publics are. And then you look at your publics and you say, right, what's the risk of our relationship with this person? What's the risk? And you've got, to think about your internal market as well as your external market. You've got to think about your internal suppliers as well as your external suppliers. And you know, if you're in a business, right, think of what the finance department needs from you. Well, the finance department needs you to needs you to give them information so they can actually turn around and say, we're not making a profit on this. You need to do something different. Um, you need the finance department to be able to give you the money you need to be able to develop what you're wanting. So you, you start to look further and further into the business and it becomes a much more holistic approach mm -hmm. and I understand that the next generation of the the basic what I call the basic standards ISO 9000 and ISO 14000 are going to start to look into things more like um, in a, a much more holistic way taking into account things like sustainability of the business yeah that's a big one now isn't it at the moment well there's not just um, there's not just environmental sustainability Mm -hmm. and the carbon footprint that is a major part major element because if we don't get that right none of us are going to be able to do business and nothing's really going to matter yeah but you've got to look at how healthy the business is as a business yeah how do we retain our people how do we actually make sure that our people want to work with us as opposed to working for our competitors how do we make sure we are making sufficient money and getting sufficient investment to do what we need to do yeah to develop our people how can we make sure that the business so you start to get in business continuity you know, how can we make sure that the business is actually going to be able to continue to supply its customers? What happens if we lose a, a supplier? So all the risk elements of it come back again. But yeah. you start to take a broader view of it. And that, I think, will be a good thing. I, I'm, I'm concerned that the preponderance of standards, so specialist, very specialist standards, and if you look at the list of standards that originally started out with ISO 9001 and, and developed from that. Um, there's got to be about 50 standards now. And and my concern is that in SMEs, which is the market that I, I tend to concentrate in, it's becoming a burden. Um, yeah. It's becoming a distress purchase. So it's something you've got to have. If you want to do business, you've got to have this. So I feel from that point of view, we're going back to the 80s. And people will just start to look at it as, right, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. Let's do the minimum. Let's not worry about getting anything out of it. Okay. So it becomes an overhead. It becomes something that isn't adding value to the business. The auditors get bored with it. They just go into tick box mode and nobody gets any value of what's going on. So that's very surface level. Yeah. Very okay. surface level. And not actually achieving anything other than essentially being almost a subscription process and being something more akin to the accreditations that are in the um, construction industry where you just feed them your policies, you feed them your answers to questions and you get a tick in the box.
Yeah. And that's that's a concern that that could develop further as we get further and further into more and more standards and the costs of them increase to uh, to the client. It's... Yeah, I totally get that. I mean, the, the point of standards is to help improve your business and, and make your business better, yeah. not just a certificate to show that you're doing something. That's so, right. Mm. And I'm, I'm a big fan of integrated standards. So if you have to have the basic standards of 9,000, 14,000, 45,000 and 27,000, why not have them all as just a single system? Okay. Just managing different different metrics. Yeah. You're managing different aspects of the business, but all those aspects of the business are intertwined anyway. And if one of them goes wrong in one place, it's going to have knock-on effects in the rest of it. So yeah. if you have a problem in information security, that's going to have a problem for your, your commercial side of the business. Mm -hmm. Certainly if you have an environmental problem, that's got an implication for your environmental part, uh, sorry, for your commercial side of the business. Yeah, yeah. So the more integrated we can get, it, the, the, the better it will be. And I'm a big fan of a standard called ISO 20121, which okay. was the first ever of the um, Annex SL standards in 2012, uh, sorry, 2013. And that is all about sustainability, but it's only linked to the event industry. But within that, you're looking at your corporate social responsibility, your socioeconomic impacts, your environmental impacts, um, your client satisfaction, how you actually manage the quality of what you're doing, how you manage the, the experience from your, your, your customers, how you deal with, and they used to have the term stakeholders, but they changed it to interested parties because people were confused between the difference between the stakeholder and the shareholder. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a good model for how a holistic standard could be. And I'm quite excited to see the new version of it, which I believe is coming down the track in the, in the next couple of years. Okay. Um, but that, that's a good model for all the standards, in my view. And if people could take that integrated approach in what they're doing, then I think that would be a great benefit to businesses around the, around the country. Need help implementing a standard or maintaining a management system? Ascent Risk Management can support you throughout any stage of your project. The expert team delivers impartial consultancy and auditing services across multiple disciplines, including information security, cybersecurity, environmental sustainability, health and safety, quality management, and business improvement. More than just box ticking, their team works in collaboration with yours to build up bespoke management systems that return real business benefits. Find Ascent online at www.ascent1, which is A-S-S-E-N-T-1.com. So this is uh, going to my next question then. Uh, we, we looked sort of at the past and how things have um, evolved. What do you think of in the future, especially with AI, um, how do you think that's going to affect the industry? AI is a marvellous tool. Mm -hmm. um, I, I must admit, I use ChatGPT myself. Um, Me too. It's not perfect by a long chalk, but it gives you a start. Yeah. Uh, I was with a client yesterday who didn't know where to start with writing an aviation security policy. So mm -hmm. you type into ChatGPT, give me an example of a, a standardized aviation security policy, and it comes back with about 1,500 words. Mm -hmm. Now, it might be gobbledygook. Yeah. But 
if you read into it, at least it's given you a framework on which to start and it's given you the ideas and the stimulation to be able to go from there. So from that point of view, I think AI is valuable. Um, it's a great launchpad. It's it's a great launchpad. And I had to mm. laugh at helping a client prepare a tender document. And it was for a, a group of schools in an academy trust. And it was to provide signage in the schools. So it wasn't okay. an enormous project. It wasn't an enormous amount of money that was going to be spent. Maybe a few tens of thousands over a three-year period. Uh, so one of the questions in the tender document was what you're going to do to help the student experience and what can you do to enhance um, the well-being of the students within the school or within the schools. Mm -hmm. So I typed this into ChatGPT and it said, first we'll build a gymnasium, then we'll build a swimming pool, then we'll build a large library. <laughs> so... It's got the right idea, but it's just really understand the context. So yeah. Mm -hmm. From that point of view, useful tool, but needs some dealing with. Yes. I'm more concerned that AI is going to take the place of the take the place of, of the, the, the people who support the clients. The people who support the clients are obviously the consultants. Yep. Also the, the CBs and the auditors. And my concern is that Coupled with what we were saying earlier about the surface treatment of the standards and the approach to the standards. But as people become more and more facile in what they're looking at, the options for automating the audit process become greater. When the options for auditing, for automating the audit process become greater, it's a natural for AI to do it. And indeed, one of the build uh, one of the construction accreditation businesses, uh, construction line. As you type your answers into the questionnaire on the portal now, it comes back and says AI is processing your answer. Mm, okay. That, that is a major concern that we will lose the human touch, we'll lose the understanding of what people are trying to do. I know from having tried to deal with construction line with businesses that don't fall into the standard model of I'm a builder, I build things, but are people who provide ancillary services such as architecture or building consultancy. No, they don't have site welfare facilities. So AI says, I'm sorry, that's wrong. You've got to have them. But we right. don't get and and that's that's my concern that we'll end up with something that is just very sterile, doesn't do anything for anybody, but gives you a badge on the wall at the end of the day. So we we need to look more, as I said, at integrating standards, taking a holistic approach and looking at the the factors that influence everything we do rather than just as straight hard facts. I like that. I think that's, you know, everything, not, as you said, not all businesses are the same and, you know, working best for your business is the best thing to do. And if you believe AI would take that away from that and, you know, that takes away from the surface level. So I completely yeah. agree there. Yeah. But the thing was, back, I, I worked with a CB as a consultant to them uh, in the, the mid nineties and they conducted various customer research and they found that the client companies that gained their certification um, purely because it was a requirement of their customer didn't have the same degree of satisfaction as those people who gained a certification because they wanted to do something better for their business and in fact the, the degree or the number of people who were doing it as a distressed purchase because they had to have it was something in the region of 85 percent and the wow. level of satisfaction amongst that was something like 15%. Whereas the people who wanted to actually achieve it, their level of satisfaction with the standards in their later iterations was enormous. 
because it yeah. was giving them tools to look at their business, to analyze the business, and they can think about it. But they probably got non-conformities because they were thinking about their business as opposed to just ticking the boxes. Yeah. Uh, so I do get a bit annoyed when people just concentrate on the legislative aspects or the controls or the operational controls and things and don't actually look at the what the meaning and what the purpose of the, the standard is and what the meaning and the purpose of what people are trying to do with their systems is. So that's what worries me that AI will take people down the first route of just being facile and being just a stamp. Yeah, okay. I can see that. I can see it. See the worry. And I think that's a big worry, not just in this industry, but of a lot of industries, is that you know it's going to take away that sort of personal side. So I, I can see yeah. how that how that can be um, and, a big worry. And indeed, just, I, you know, speaking to um, one of the the big CBs, they're now starting to use AI to um, probe into standards to actually okay. find where the answers lie within a standard, because some of the standards are two hundred pages long. So they're looking for how to interpret them, but using AI to do that. Um, I'm not how good, not sure how good it's going to be. It may be excellent at finding out things because it is just essentially a very, very clever search engine. Yeah. Uh, so from that point of view, it may be a useful tool. I honestly don't know, but the, the jury's out at the moment. I want to be in this, Watch this. At least, I want to be in the industry for at least another 15 years. So I'm going to continue to rail against the machine. <laughs> watch this space then, watch this space. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for taking time talking to me today. Uh, once again, my guest has been Len Howard from THC Consultants. Uh, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe. Uh, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Check out the show description for links for more information on all topics discussed in the episode. If you enjoyed listening, please make sure you subscribe to our podcast and make sure to leave us a review. If you need any help with implementing an ISO standard or have any questions, please reach out to Ascent Risk Management to talk to one of our expert consultants today. We can be found at www.ascent1.com. We're also on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. All links can also be found in the show description. This podcast was produced by Jessica Ingalls and is a Clemark Studios production.